Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Joe Milmine and this is episode 87, Travel Knitter, an interview with Larissa. Hello and welcome to the show. A warm welcome to all returning listeners. A pleasure as always that you're here spending your time with me. And if you are a new listener today, welcome. I hope you will enjoy what you find here and have a bit of nitty fun and a bit of a giggle with us over on the Shiny Bees podcast. How are you? Have you been since last time I spoke to you? I hope you are all in chonking feckle as they say around these parts and uh enjoying the changing seasons although it's been snowing today in Wigan which was a bit strange um but enjoying the changing seasons and looking towards new yarns new summer projects and you know the eventual kind of slight warming of the temperatures in the UK at least I am still working hard on my voodoo shawl by Boonits and it's at 500 and odd stitches now per row. I've only three rows to go, but those three rows are going to be the longest rows of my life, I think. But I'm also looking towards casting on, casting on for my sparkly red lush and joining all of you already taking part in the hashtag RewindCal over on the group on Ravelry and on social media. There is a link to that in the thread on Ravelry. It's not too late to join in. You can join in whenever you like, because clearly I haven't started yet because I'm a person who finishes things now. So I need to finish something before I start the next one. But there's no pressure with my knit alongs. You can take as long as you need to. Uh, Just come and join in with either Team Lush or Team Not Lush. Thanks to everyone who's been in touch since the last episode. It's brilliant to hear from you and I will get around to replying to everyone as soon as I can. It was very busy last week with uh, Edinburgh and running my webinar after uh, Edinburgh and doing that as well. So there's lots of prep going on for that. Then of course it was Easter. Lots of Easter fun, lots of chocolate and lots of knitting time according to all of you. So I really hope that you did enjoy um, a few days off and got into a bit of knitting but the question always is what have I got for you today well I am delighted to be welcoming Larissa of Travel Knitter onto the show you remember last week that Travel Knitter won jointly best in show my own awards for Edinburgh Yarn Festival for their awesome stand and it is no secret that I'm a huge fan of her yarns because she dyes the most beautiful red colorways and I'm a big fan of red and it's very difficult to find a nice red yarn that isn't too pink or too blue or too orange and is a really good clear red. It's quite a difficult colour to dye and to get right and is, Larissa does do that beautifully. I also learned a lot about her myself during this interview, particularly the way that she dyes and I don't want to give you any spoilers at this stage. Um, but how she goes about her dyeing and her sort of attitude and her journey into the dyeing is really interesting and I hope you will enjoy listening to that 
too. I really enjoy these interviews because it just shows there are so many ways, so many different avenues that people get into doing these sorts of things and running these kinds of businesses. And that there is, if you if something you want to do, that you can. It's not There's not one set prescribed way. There's loads of ways that you can get into it and do it and loads of ways to do it your own way, in the words of Fleetwood Mac. You can go your own way. I'm not going to sing it for you. Although I'm reasonable at singing Fleetwood Mac songs, I'm not going to sing it for you today. So what I need you to do is put your feet up and get your knitting out, get yourself a cup of tea, settle in and we will crack on with the show. I'm delighted to welcome Larissa of Travel Knitter onto the show today. How are you, Larissa? Hi, I'm good, thanks, Joe. It's good to be chatting to you. Awesome. Um, so for those who maybe aren't that familiar with you, and I know if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, most of the people who have will be, because I've raved about your red yarns in, at several times at length. <laughs> but if, if for any reason people have forgotten that, or they don't know you that well, can you tell us a little bit about you as a person and how you came to be interested in Yarny Pursuits. Okay, um, I started knitting when I was in my 20s. Um, unlike lots of people, I never had that sort of childhood experience of, of knitting. I had never picked up a pair of knitting needles at all as a child. Um, and I sort of, I got involved in that sort of mid um sort of 2000s you know sort of 2005 era when knitting kind of started becoming really popular again um I don't I must have been interested in it because at one point a flatmate mentioned that she was going around to a friend's place to uh, to have a knitting lesson and I managed to invite myself along so I must have been thinking about it um but wasn't really conscious of it and it sort of went from there um and many people know me as um someone who's a big fan of red and red yarn and my stash just started growing and growing and growing um with many many varieties of red yarn um but it started getting a bit ridiculous really and I was always on the hunt for that elusive red um the sort of red yarn that was kind of really saturated a true red not too bright um not too pinkish not too raspberry just a proper red and I found it really really hard um to get it um which is what led me to dyeing my own yarn in a roundabout sort of way um, so I got fed up with not being able to buy what I wanted, so I thought I'd better learn how to make it myself. So I did a uh, a weekend course in dyeing yarn, basically so that I could learn to dye red yarn. Um, but through that, obviously started playing with other colours and got a little bit carried away, uh, which is how I've ended up where I am today. Um, just dyeing lots of colours, still with a focus on red, um, but lots of other colours as well, and really enjoying it. Oh, brilliant. So what was then 
the tipping point that became, that went from the journey into red yarns for yourself to the point where you went, oh, you know what, I probably need to kind of offload some of this now. I don't know, really. I think it happened pretty quickly. Um, I don't really remember a moment, um, but I think it was quite a quick evolution. When I went into it, I didn't have any plans to take it further than just dying for myself. Um, but I think I got a bit carried away quite quickly um, and obviously just got a bit obsessed with it. So it all happened um, very quickly and without too much planning. I just sort of dived straight in, really. I like it. I like people who just get involved, you know. Don't think about it too hard. Just crack on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like to have a bit of a project, a bit of an obsession, you know, kind of the hobby that sort of takes over your life. It's all good fun. I can definitely get on board with that. Yeah. Um. So taking it then from that, what does a typical day look like for you? Um, like most people, it's probably quite varied. Um, I work as a yarn dyer on a part-time basis. So I also have what I call my day job on a part-time basis as well. Um, and so my dyeing setup is quite unusual in that I dye outside. I don't have a little studio. I would love to set one up in my backyard, um, but living in a London terrace, um, the backyard isn't big enough to host a Thai studio. Um, so when I'm planning a day of dyeing yarn, I need to uh, kind of check the weather forecast and make sure it's not going to be chucking it down. So I need to be a bit flexible in how I work. Um, but if the weather is okay, um, I'll sort of go full steam ahead and die as much as I can. Um, so that usually involves getting up at stupid o'clock when the cat wakes me up demanding breakfast. Um, so I'll get up early, have a cup of tea, put the yarns in to soak, um, go back to bed to drink my cup of tea um, and feel like I'm getting a bit of a treat, even though it's still probably about half past six. <laughs> um, and then I'll get out into the garden at what seems like a reasonable hour as not to disturb the neighbours too much. Um, all of my yarns are kettle dyed, so there's always, um, so that involves lots of kind of bubbling cauldrons of water. Um, on the stove top so while the yarns are bubbling away I'll potter around um, sort of jump back in the house as much as possible to try and defrost um, <laughs> do, do a bit of internetting wind off some more skeins do all of those sorts of indoor things before heading back out um, to the cold again to uh, to tend to the bubbling cauldrons that's brilliant. Don't you think it would be much nicer if you were like in Oz doing that? Yes. <laughs> um, I. This is one of those hobbies that I should have taken up while I was still in Australia. <laughs> I really didn't plan that out very well at all. 
<laughs> oh, I, I, I really admire your dedication to the art. I feel like my, my travel knitter skins are even more special now that I know you've almost frozen to death for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The freezing to death thing is very, very true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do literally have to run inside to defrost for 10 minutes before I can go back out again. Oh, you know what the Swedes say? There's no such thing as, as bad weather, only bad clothing. <laughs> Needs to get you some kind of dome jacket, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, so can you tell us, um, obviously you've talked a little bit about your production process there. Can you tell us a bit about your creative process then when you come to develop a new colourway? It really sort of takes one of two approaches, I think. Um, so if it's a situation where I have um, some sort of framework, um, such as when I dyed the colourway for the golden skein, so I had an image to work from, that's a very particular approach. And I really, really enjoy doing that because that sort of puts those boundaries in place. Um, and I find that a really enjoyable way to work kind of having that jumping off point rather than thinking oh my goodness the universe is so huge where do I start <laughs> um so that's a really nice way to work um but then sometimes I just get up in the morning and think okay today I feel like dying orange I'm just going to chuck it all in the pot and come up with something orange and it works that way as well um so it kind of just depends on how I'm feeling on any given day, whether I'm looking to produce a particular colour with an end goal in mind or whether I can just um, take the opportunity to go for it and just be creative and see what happens. Super. So no journey is ever a smooth one <laughs> and you're into traveling so you will know this um and in fact you had a story about a non-smooth traveling experience that inspired your skin for the, go the golden skin in fact i'll put a link to that in the show notes um what running a business also has its ups and downs can you tell us a about a time where things maybe didn't quite go to plan what happened and what you learned as a result of it oh there are so many things that don't go to plan, um, probably more things that don't go to plan than actually do. Um, I think even just the creative process, I think, is one that's very much of trial and error. If I go in to the dye pots with an idea of creating a particular colourway, and if I've got a particular image in my mind, then chances are it won't quite turn out like that, certainly not on the first go. Um, and I have had colourways that just didn't come out like I wanted or like I'd envisaged. Um, so then the challenge is then trying to turn that into something else that I will love. Um, and that's when I kind of start getting creative with all of the over-dyeing and lots of layering of colour. Um, so it's about kind of trying to turn something that just hasn't quite worked out into something else and trying to be a bit creative about it. 
um, not always easy. Sometimes I need to kind of take a bit of space and think about it and then think about how to turn it around. Um, and I think that's probably um, applicable to a lot of things in business, just kind of taking a step back and thinking about, okay, how do I deal with this situation and how do I turn it into something useful? Cool. I love that. So taking it from how you turn things around when maybe they aren't going the way that you'd hoped um, to the high point, the opposite end of the scale, what has been the best thing that's happened so far? Um, I wouldn't be able to pinpoint a single thing. Um, every kind of new experience that I'm having at the moment through Travel Netter is really, really exciting and really enjoyable. And I'm having a great time with it. Um, the thing that I'm really enjoying the most is being part of the knitting community. And I think that's really one of the key things that keeps me doing this. Um, I mean, you know just how amazing the knitting community is um, and what fun it is to be part of that. Um, in terms of my work with Travel Knit Up, I really enjoy collaborating with others, um, plotting and scheming, cooking up a new plan, coming up with ideas, bouncing off ideas with someone else um, and coming up with a project that we can both work on. I find that kind of really exciting um, and I love that creativity that comes from bouncing ideas off someone else so whether that's a collaboration with another dyer or a designer and providing yarn support or developing a colorway for a particular design um they're the sorts of things that I find really interesting and really exciting yeah definitely there's something to be said for the kind of hive mind and that group mentality and when you get a couple of people in a room who have lots of ideas and are very creative it does all sort of kind of boil over and everything gets super exciting and grand yeah. plans are made <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I'm a big fan of plotting and scheming lovely so taking it then from evil plans and clever tricks yep uh, which I am going to press you for some information on those because it sounds like you've got something to tell us <laughs> which one thing that you know now did you wish you had known when you picked up the first ball of yarn? I would say I would like to tell myself that it doesn't need to be perfect. And I think knitting is a really good way of demonstrating that. In terms of knitting itself, I've had to learn what mistakes I can live with, what things I can get away with fudging, and what things actually I can't live with and I need to rip out and do it again um, and knitting is perfect for that because you can rip things out and redo them but also you can fudge things and get away with it um, I think dyeing is also a bit like that mm -hmm. um, I went into dyeing because I was a bit of a perfectionist in terms of what I wanted and that does carry over into my dyeing and wanting my colours to be a certain way and wanting all of my skeins to be a certain way. Um, so for me, one of the things is about being able to 
step back from that and to think about actually what's okay even though a color might not be exactly my particular color or my favorite shade or exactly what I'd envisaged it doesn't mean that it's not still a great color so it's about kind of not being so much of a perfectionist and kind of being open to a whole range of different colors I really like that because I think that's um a big part of why people come to knitting and for some people it's about zoning out of a stressful job or it's about making something with their hands but I think there's there are real lessons a lot of lessons to be learned like that it doesn't have to be 100% perfect and good enough really is good enough yeah absolutely and sort of I have to tell myself that if I'm knitting something you know I'm not presenting it for marking at a show no one's going to care how I've woven in the ends um, and it's been wonderful actually meeting so many other knitters and designers and seeing some of their samples and some of their projects and you know not everyone you know weaves in their ends a particular way or the seams aren't perfect and it's absolutely fine. So speaking then about the yarn we're going to go for desert islands skeins. If you were going to be marooned on a desert island and you could only take one skein or ball of yarn, what would you take and why? Mm. It would have to be quite a lightweight yarn uh, for two reasons. Being on a desert island, uh, you don't want anything too warm or too heavy. And also a lightweight yarn takes longer to knit so it keeps you occupied a bit longer it's tricky I would probably go with my BFL sock yarn um, it's got good yardage so it will keep me going for a while it's blue faced Leicester so it's hard wearing but it's not going to itch me so it's pretty much multi-purpose and it's the sort of yarn that if I make something and then I need to frog it and make something else, it would completely stand up to it. So I think that would be one that would see me through quite a few projects on this desert island. Cool. We love a bit of BFL. Love a bit of BFL. It is the multi-purpose yarn. It does everything. It is. It's, it's the wonder yarn, I think. Awesome. So what is your favourite or your go-to resource for yarn craft or business that you couldn't do without? Like most people, I'd have to say Ravelry. Um, I know that there are lots of other social media networks that play a huge part in lots of people's lives um, and I use loads of them. But my heart is still with Ravelry. I still love it. Um, I love that whole sense of community. Um, and I was a member of Ravelry from the quite early days when actually I had absolutely no idea what it was going to be about or what it would become. I don't think anyone had any idea what it was going to become. Um, but there's something about that 
community that I think is is really really precious and hard to find anywhere else um, and that's in terms of the social side of things but also the information sharing um, I think that if Ravelry hadn't come on board I don't know where um, where I might have gone with my knitting so I think Ravelry was probably quite key in terms of me getting really involved in knitting and the knitting community. Um, and it's something that I'm still very involved in. Um, and I don't know, yeah, I don't know what I'd do without it. I think it's a brilliant resource um, for knitters, whether that's in terms of business or just knitting as a hobby. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a reason why so many people say Ravelry. Um, and there's been a multitude of different reasons why they say that, that they give mm. um, for, for that being their sort of go-to resource and the, the platform that it gives them to get what they're doing out into the world and to meet the other nitty geeks. Yeah, absolutely. It is a bit scary, really. I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for us. I'm certain I won't be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for Ravelry. Um, and most of the people that I know now and actually speak to, I wouldn't know if it wasn't for Ravelry. So um, Yeah, me either. And I remember when I started knitting and I was back in Australia going to local yarn shops, trying desperately to find patterns and yarns that I would want to knit with and really, really struggling. And it was still very much stuck in a bit of a time warp um and when Ravelry came on board that was a real groundbreaking thing to actually discover all these other outlets that were out there and all these amazing patterns and designs and things that I would actually want to knit and things that I could knit and in those early days kind of finding all of those tips and resources about learning more about knitting as a craft for sure um cool so other than on Ravelry because you have a group on Ravelry the travel knitter group I'm in that's there that's true um other than Ravelry where can the listeners find you I am on Twitter I've also recently finally got an Instagram account set up yay I've got a new phone that I can actually take photos with. So that has enabled me to set up an Instagram account. I feel like I've gone into uh, into the 21st century. So I'm on Instagram as Travel Knitter and Twitter as Travel Knitter 1. And my website is travelknitter.com. Cool. And there are links to your wonderful emporium of gorgeousness from your website. Absolutely. Yes. So my Etsy shop is travelknitter.etsy.com. So you can go peruse the yarns at your leisure. Super. We do like a little bit of enabling on the podcast. So do you have any parting words then for those people who may be thinking about getting into the industry or trying hand dyeing as a business for themselves? I think the best thing that you can do is do as much research as you can 
and talk to as many people as you can. Um, make those contacts, just reach out to people um, and then go away and do your own thing. Mm. I think when I started out dying, I had an idea in my head of the sorts of colours that I was interested in dyeing and the sorts of techniques that I wanted to use. But it's actually turned out to be completely different. Um, and that was completely unintentional. I just developed my own style. And I think that's really important for anyone who wants to do anything creative. Um, certainly learn from others and take inspiration from what's around you, but then make sure that you do things in your own way. Yeah, definitely. And th that you don't, you don't have to follow the shoulds. You should be doing this. You should be doing that or anyone else's rules, there are so many people doing it so many different ways and you can look at someone and say, oh, I really like the way they do Facebook, or I really like the way they do Red Yarn, or I really like the way they set their stall up, but taking that back to being part of you I think is a really good point that you bring out. Mm. It is hard though, um, it's really, really hard when you start to compare yourself and your products to someone else and what they're doing. Um, I think it's very easy to want to try and emulate what other people are doing or what's popular or what's trendy. Um, but I think if you're going to do this as a business, you really need to stay true to your own style. Couldn't agree more. I love it. Super. So let's get excited then, Larissa. <laughs> Come on, give us some gossip. Give us something juicy to go away with. Because it sounds like you've got loads of stuff planned. What's next for Travel Knitter? What can we look forward to in the next few months? I've got a big year ahead, I think. Um, oh, not if you're killing me. You're killing me. Come on. thing is set in stone. But I think there's going to be lots of things happening. It's quite a big year for shows and events. Edinburgh Yarn Fest, Fibre East in the summer, various others that are yet to be confirmed. So I'm definitely going to be travelling around for shows and events, which is something that I've done quite a bit of wearing various other hats. So it will be fun doing it for Travel Knitter. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely going to be a year where I start making decisions about where to take Travel Knitter and Ooh. how much to expand the business. Ooh. So very exciting and lots of decisions to be made. Um, but this year I'm definitely also looking forward to lots of collaborations with other amazing people out there. Because that's what I really enjoy. Well, you have to like email me and tell me when you... Because you know, I know you're not going to tell me now. But when they come out, you must email me and tell me. Then I can tell everyone about these exciting collaborations. Of course, you'll be the first to know, I promise. Super. That's brilliant. Larissa, thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the show. I'm a huge fan of your red yarn, as you know, because I'm not shy about giving it compliments where they're due. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here, and uh, thank you for sparing the time for us. 
Oh, thanks, Joe. I've had a great time. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Larissa. I thought she had loads of really good stuff to share there and it really did make me appreciate all the more that she dyes her yarn outside and I hope she hasn't frozen too much for any of my red skates. Um, but you can find everything relating to her at travelknitter.com and do look out for her shows. She is as lovely as she sounded on the podcast in real life. So go along and have a chapter if you see her, say hello and tell her you heard her on the podcast because I'm sure she would love to hear from you. Speaking of podcasts, I have just one more quick notice for you before I skip off into the hailstorming sunset today. And that is that I was interviewed by the lovely Rachel and Alison of Yarn in the City podcast on episode 33. It's out now. It came out this week. If you don't listen, give them a listen. They're quite good fun. They have been guests of mine on the podcast before last year and links to that will go in the show notes as well as links to this particular episode that they've just released. And we were talking about all sorts of things to do with the knitting community and sort of how we find community uh, within our knitting and how we build communities and what we give to them and what we get out of them really there was lots and lots of fun stuff in there lots of joking they asked me a very difficult desert island skins type question which was a little bit cheeky but i'll let them get away with it because i like them so much and it was really good fun so head on over there and have a listen if you would like to hear more from me on their show and give their back episodes a listen like i said they are really good fun girls and i think if you enjoy my podcast you'll probably enjoy them too so that is all we have time for this week i hope you've enjoyed the show i'm looking forward to coming back to you next week with lots more fun stuff but in the meantime i hope you will have a great week happy crafting and i will speak to you soon bye to the shiny bees podcast a podcast for those who like their knitting comedy and yarn in equally large measures if you'd like to get in contact with me you can do so via the blog or i'm shiny bees on ravelry instagram twitter pinterest and facebook you can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com music for this episode is provided via music alley and it is adam and the walter boys and i need a drink i need a drink <laughs>